fillet of a fenny snake in the cauldron, boil and bake, eye of newt and toe of frog, wool of bat and tongue of dog, adder's fork and blindworm's sting, wizard's leg and howlet's wing, for a charm of powerful trouble, like a hellboth, boil and bubble. That speech from the Three Witches of Macbeth are just one of the many of triumvirates of women who controlled the destiny and fates of characters in their tales. Why is it that we tend to group women together in threes in order to tell them the future? Well, this is the exact topic we're going to look at today in Cavalcade of Tales. Hello! Welcome to the first episode of Cavalcade of Tales. I'm your host, Drew, the millennial with a history degree, and we're starting off with a little bit of a doozy. We're talking about the triple goddesses, specifically ones who discuss the destiny and fate of those heroes that follow them. Traditionally, when people think of three goddesses of fate, their minds immediately go to the Greek Mori, also more colloquially known as the Fates. In Hesiod's Theogony, they were the children of Nyx and Erebus, three sisters who resided over the destiny of humans. They had some ties into midwifery because they were believed to be there at the birth of a child, seen weaving thread of fate. Clotho, the youngest sister known to the Romans as Nona, was the one who spun the thread of fate, deciding when people would be born and starting their different journeys. From there, Lycesis, known to the Romans as Decima was the middle sister, measuring the thread of fate, deciding how long these journeys of life would be. From there, finally, we end up with Atropo, the eldest sister, known to the Romans as Morta. She's the one who ends the life by cutting the thread of fate. Now, it may be hard to believe, but Disney's Hercules did not depict these fates correctly at all. Uh, in the movie, they're seen as short, stout women with one eye shared between them and they spend a lot of their time in the underworld giving prophecy this is not the case at all what most likely happened is the three sisters that are in disney's hercules are actually most likely stygian witches also known as the gracchi the gracchi were the children of porcius and cetus who were women that told the location of the Gorgons to Perseus during his exploit to murder Medusa in her sleep. Um, These Gracchi were three old women who were just deities of old age, and they shared an eye and a tooth um, amongst them, which is probably where Hercules gets its inspiration from. There is a fun little thing that Hercules does during the Hercules animated series in the early 2000s. Uh, In the episode Hercules and the Twilight of the Gods, um, Hercules spends some time dealing with the Norse pantheon after being tricked by Loki. um, Because a continual perpetuity of the fact that everybody likes to say that Loki did everything wrong and he only did some things wrong. Anyway, um... In the episode, uh, Hercules is manipulated into becoming the new thunder god of the Aesir, which means that they uh, would no longer be prepared for Ragnarok. 
he then decides that the best thing to do is go consult the Norn. Three women fates that sound oddly familiar. Once arriving at the lair of the Norn, Hercules and Philoctetes are very suddenly greeted by the three quote-unquote fates from Greek mythology. And Hercules it, you know, is like, hey, aren't you guys the fates? And they're like, no, no, we're the Norn. It's a completely different thing. Uh, to which Philoctetes accuses them of, quote, double dipping, assuming that in the Hercules canon and Disney that you can be a god in multiple traditions. This has some historical basis because in ter- going into the Norn, um, it's hard to pinpoint when the Vikings got the concept of the Norn because like with some traditions, you can be like, okay, in this Edda, we know about how Odin cut out an eye so that he could gain more knowledge. And in this one, this is the Edda where we find out about how Brunhild um, dies in her tragic love affair with Sigurd. But with the Norns, we don't really have that. It just, they just, in a way, they predate the Viking Nordic traditions. The Norn are very similar to the Fates. Uh, They're associated with midwifery. They're present at the birth. Uh, some people believe that since they do predate the Odin and Asir chronicles, there is a chance that they might be a holdover tradition that was sort of just passed around word of mouth in Indo-European religions that might have been lost or that we just haven't found any artifacts for. But um, it's a little shaky. It wouldn't be the first time we've seen a bleed over of traditions. Um going backwards there's a lot of evidence tying in the fact that like Aphrodite the concept of this love goddess of war you can kind of trace her backwards a little so you can go back and she shares a lot of similarities with the Mesopotamian goddess Ishtar often associated with the uh, city-state of Uruk U-R-U-K I know it sounds weird. Um, And then you can go backwards from there. And before Ishtar is a being called Inanna, who is from more of the Akkadian tradition before some of the city-states banded together. And then you can go back even further from Inanna. And she takes some inspiration from a Phoenician tradition and a goddess there known as Ashtart. Uh, so bleed over is definitely possible for the Norn. Getting back on track, however, um, the Norn, also known as the Dicier, uh, were also three sisters. Uh, um, these sisters all were believed to live in Yggdrasil, the world tree, the backbone the of tradition in the nordic tradition um there are nine realms that these beings live in like the asir you've got the uh the elves and they're all branched out on this tree and the norn or the disir actually live inside the tree because they are such an integral part to the fate of everyone who lives around the tree um so the youngest sister is name is Skuld, 
S-K-U-L-D. She, um, the interesting thing is it's a kind of a reversal where she is the youngest, but she is said to know the future of all of the fates of people. Um, In some Eddas, she's actually a Valkyrie, uh, but that's, it's different from Edda to Edda. Um, Also, she is the word origin for the English word should, which is often used in a fun future tense, like you should go do that later. The middle sister is known as Verdandi. Uh, She just has a lot of the concept of the knowing and the now. Less is written about Verdandi because it's kind of hard to write about the personification and the concept of the exact moment. Um, And she's also the only sister who, at least I couldn't find anything where her name was used later on to create an English word. The final sister, Erd, is the eldest and she has to deal with the past and the things that are fated to have happened uh she becomes the old english word for uh weird because she was known in old english as word uh she deals with the fact that everything that has happened can predict and kind of tell you what's going to happen further she's like the goddess version of if you don't learn from history you're doomed to make the same mistakes again um so part of the opus of this podcast is a lot of times you can see these traditions that come from very old tales and they get brought into more modern media like your video games your movies your you know we talked about hercules earlier both the 1996 film and the 2000s tv series which is a bop and it's on disney plus not an ad but like go watch it it's super fun um but the concept of like triple goddesses is also in video games as well um going back to the fates in the shin magami tensei series of video games a line of games often having to do with you as the protagonist kind of collecting and fighting different beings from various folklore and myth and cultures from around the world to prevent or deal with the apocalypse um a common mainstay of them the norn and the fates are both in there traditionally in these games you can get the three sisters of the fates separately lycesis atropo and clotho um, in Shin Megami Tensei 3, there is actually a mini boss of these sisters um, protecting one of the antagonists of the game, a person named Hikawa. And you actually, the puzzle is, is you have to know what order to fight the sisters in. So it's a fun little nod to whether or not you know your Greek history to figure out if you can get through this boss easily. Then in the following game, uh, Shin Megami Tensei 4, uh, that came out on the 3DS, there's actually this fun little thing where if you fuse together the three sisters in a special fusion, you get the Norn, which are depicted as these three golden goddesses around a clock. 
But who am I kidding? Um, when we think of a trio of goddesses from a video game, anybody uh, who is a Nintendo fan person knows that we have to talk about the Triforce, the Three Goddesses, and the Legend of Zelda. Um, I would be remiss to do so also due to the fact that I, cur- I have a Triforce tattoo. So, um, yeah. So, in the creation myth of Hyrule for the entirety of the Legend of Zelda franchise, uh, there are three goddesses that were the ones who breathed life into the world. Uh, there was Din, a goddess of power who created the land. Nehru, the goddess of wisdom who created order. And Feori, the goddess of courage who created life. Uh, these three although not worshipped as much as a layer deity, uh, they, uh, their power is often needed in times of great strife and peril. Uh, once they finished creating the world, they created the Triforce, which was a mystical piece of jewelry. I'm not really super clear, actually, if it's an item to be held or not. Um, but they gave it to the progenitor goddess of the people, a goddess named Hylia. And she was tasked to protect the land with the spirits and the fairies and using the golden power of the Triforce. Um, they're less important to the games the longer they go on. You know, you get little mentions about the three goddesses here and there. You learn a lot about this in Link to the Past and Ocarina of Time, but they're less important in some other games. Um, they, um, there are touching little nods to them throughout, um, for example, in Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons. For the Game Boy system, um, one of the oracles, I believe the Oracle of Seasons, is known as Din, and the Oracle of Ages is known as Nehru. Um, these three goddesses also, aspects of them are needed to pull the Master Sword as you go through the game, so... Uh, in A Link to a Past and A Link Between Worlds, both games that take place in similar timelines. It's hard to explain. The Zelda canon is a nightmare. And I already have other episodes planned on nightmare canons, so I can't go into it here. Um, but there are three pendants, which are the aspects of these goddesses. The pendant of courage, the pendant of wisdom, and the pendant of power. There's also the forges of these goddesses in Skyward Sword, and these three flames are what actually change the goddess blade that you're given at the beginning of the game into what would be known for out time as the Master Sword. It'll be interesting to see where the franchise goes when it comes to the three goddesses. Um, At time of recording, we are a couple months away from the newest Zelda game, uh, Tears of a Kingdom, and which is supposed to be a direct sequel to Breath of the Wild. Um, in Breath of the Wild, the goddesses weren't super into it. They were, um, there were three springs associated with their attributes, and each spring had an associated dragon with it, which was very neat. Um, for example, you had the Dinral, the fire dragon, which protected the spring of power. Uh, you had Nadra, the ice dragon, which protected the Spring of Wisdom. 
that one though you had to uh in game uh spoilers for breath of the wild um in the game you had to purify that dragon so that you could actually um have it go on its merry way and do its dragon job um it's also if you find the spring of power first not the spring of power sorry the spring of wisdom first that's the one that teaches you the mechanic of how to get into the shrines for the springs because you have to offer up a piece of the dragons and then the final one this one's the one that's a bit different because with dinral and nadra they sort of followed a theme where it's like this is dinral power flame and the three had a, a large association nadra which was ice ice and water have been always associated with nehru and then there's Farish, who is the dragon for Fiores, the Spring of Courage. Um, and traditionally, Fior is more of a wind element, uh, but they made Farosh an electric dragon, which is cool, but it's interesting that it's the only one that's a little bit of an elemental departure. I think it just kind of has to do with the fact that in Breath of the Wild, pun not intended on the name um there was already a lot of interesting things you could have to do with wind you know you can fly on updrafts you can uh, the dragons actually produce their own updrafts because they're so big and have nothing to do with you as soon as you fly towards them you just sort of get blown away because it's like what are you gonna do you can't kill these big ass dragons they want nothing to do with you they're too mystic and powerful but all right, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Um, thank you for uh, sticking with me for this first episode. I know I got a little rambly there about Zelda and uh, Mesopotamian goddesses there. But uh, yeah, we're going to get through this. Um, I know that this is not very comprehensive right now. I'm sure I've missed a bevy of goddesses of fate. And there's plenty of work to delve into i plan on doing future episodes on the significance given to the number three in multiple traditions and in books and movies you know everybody loves the number three um but eh, to save myself and you guys from me rambling about zelda forever i'm gonna cut this episode here uh thank you all so much for joining me um, I'm really excited to start this journey together, and I uh, hope you guys like it. Um, yes, I will try to start saying um, less as I go along. Okay, thank you. Bye, see you next time. Thank you for listening to Cavalcade of Tales. Cavalcade of Tales is uh, currently sponsorless, uh, but is being hosted by the lovely people at ACAS. Uh, sources for this material uh, can be given at request, but some sources include the Encyclopedia of Mythology, the Greeks Myths, the uh, Legend of Zelda Becoming a Champion booklet, and uh, other um, incidental things that can be gathered on request. Uh, the viewpoints taken with it are purely meant for an educational method, and in no way are meant to harm, evaluate, judge, quantify, or uh, condone, and or even uh, promote any traditions that are better than others. This is all meant in a thing of respect and 
for educational purposes. Thank you. <laughs>